Hello and welcome back to Church Public. I appreciate you tuning in today. My name is Matt Odegaard, your host as always, and today we're talking about a few current events from a Christian perspective. Today we look at Senator Elizabeth Warren, who... I don't know what to say, apparently doesn't like mothers or babies and thinks pregnancy centers are some kind of medieval torture chamber place where pregnant persons, her words not mine, go in and never return. Senators on the Hill, in another story, have a conversation with a pro-abortion law professor from UC Berkeley, University of California at Berkeley, and the responses are interesting. And finally, according to a survey, no one reads or believes the Bible anymore. Which is really sad. I'm Matt Odegaard, and this is Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. I really appreciate you being here today. Your time is valuable, and I want to honor that, but I want to help you understand what is going on in the world today. If you haven't already, go ahead and like, subscribe, share this if this is helpful to you, because I want to help you understand what current events are from a Christian perspective. If you are just an audio listener, I really, really appreciate you. If you want to see some of the videos that we're going to look at today, you can navigate to churchpublic.com. You can also check it out on YouTube, though lately they've been uh, dinging and removing some of the videos that I've put up. So hopefully it's there. If not, churchpublic.com, and I will find a way to get the video to you. Otherwise, again, audio listener, I really, really appreciate you. Um, All right. In other news today as well, uh, just a couple other things that are going on. Inflation hits another record high of 9.1. That happened just before I started recording today. So that's that's a big deal. That's kind of a problem. Uh, Jill Biden has compared Hispanic people to tacos, apparently. I mean, I love tacos, but Oh, people. Anyway, and Twitter and Elon Musk are continuing to battle out over ownership. And what will that mean for social media? What will that mean for free speech? We will find out more as we get closer to it. But today, a couple of big stories that I want to talk about are uh, what Senator Liz Warren, Elizabeth Warren, has talked about in regards to uh, these pregnancy care centers. Now, if you don't know, if you've missed this whole thing between Mississippi versus Dobbs, the Supreme Court case that just came through, which overruled Planned Parenthood versus Casey and the bigger one, Roe versus Wade, now you have people just doing all sorts of weird and crazy things. So we're just kind of looking at some of those and trying to figure out what in the world literally is going on. Elizabeth Warren is in Massachusetts and she says that pregnancy care centers, which by and large are supported by many churches, many of these places, some are nonprofits, and that's great too, but a lot of them are supported by churches and a lot of them offer free, if not really cheap, care to pregnant mothers, women, <laughs> that's going to be an important, uh, that's going to be an important word in a moment. What are, what is a woman? But we talk about that a lot anyway. Uh, and sometimes even young infants and children. So overall great places, but according to Senator Warren, they're really, really, really bad. In Massachusetts right now, those crisis pregnancy centers that are there to fool people who are looking for pregnancy termination help outnumber true abortion clinics by three to one. We need to shut them down here in Massachusetts and we need to shut them down all around the country. You should not be able to torture a pregnant person like that. There's just there's so much going on in this clip. Um, so first, the pregnancy care centers are fooling people because they say, I mean, many of them actually are called literally pregnancy care centers. 
for people who are pregnant. And I'm going to go ahead and go one step further because what she said is we have to be, take care of the pregnant persons. Uh, but as some of you know, only women can get pregnant. All right, that's that's another thing. We'll get, we'll, get, we'll get back to that because there's some other interesting questions that come up about that in a moment. But the big issue here apparently is that pregnancy care centers outnumber these abortion clinics three to one, which apparently in Massachusetts, according to Senator Warren, is a really, really terrible thing. So we need to shut them down because women's choice is a thing. So we need to take care of women and give women the power to choose, but only if that power to choose is to choose abortion because they want to keep the baby or get help for the baby. In addition, sometimes at these care centers, which is free help for the baby, that would be bad because we don't really want to help women. We just want to get rid of the babies. So don't send the pregnant women, I'm going to change her words of pregnant person to pregnant women, don't send the pregnant women to these medieval torture centers, her words, because that would be bad. Instead, send them to the abortion clinic where you can kill a child, because that's not torture. This is all crazy upside down world. Anyway, that is what's going on apparently in Massachusetts, and I'll just say, thank goodness I don't live there. If you do, yeah, you may want to, you know, make some decisions. Anyway, I just think we should continue to pray for these pregnancy care centers. We should continue to support these pregnancy care centers. I mean, it's really important. Check with your church. Many of our churches are already supporting. I know my church supports more than one pregnancy care center. This is really great news. And we should continue to do that. You can personally do it. You can support through your church. There's a lot of different ways. You can volunteer there. I mean, let's get involved and let's help these young moms-to-be that just need some help. They're confused. They don't know what's going on. It's I mean, this is a big deal. We want to have care and compassion for those that are struggling through these things, but we don't want to kill babies. That seems like a reasonable point, but apparently that's where you get yelled at and screamed at and things thrown at you and whatever. Um, and and as a side note, too, and I've, I've reported on this. I don't think I grabbed a picture for today, but many... Pregnancy care centers have been vandalized, spray-painted, firebombed. Like, all of this has been happening since the leaked draft of the Roe v. Wade, or of the Mississippi versus Dobbs decision, which essentially then eventually became the Mississippi versus Dobbs decision that overruled Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. So, people are not happy about this. And the apparently only last resort is violence, which is really sad. Like, let's have conversations about pregnant women and what to do and how to best care for them. But speaking of pregnant quote-unquote persons, Berkeley Law professor uh, was brought to the Senate to talk about something. I tried to figure out why this person was even invited. I honestly couldn't figure it out. I, I don't, I mean, it, it's something to do with what are the legal ramifications of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which I guess is a question mark, but it's really not since it wasn't in the Constitution in the first place, which is why we have a Supreme Court, which showed that it wasn't in the Constitution in the first place. And you can go, if you want to do the research, you can go and read both the Constitution, which is a good thing to read, and the really, really long, like hundreds of pages long decision uh, in the um, Mississippi versus Dobbs decision. There's a lot of great, and historical legal precedent information in there that you can read and make your own decision whether or not it seems to be constitutional. I know you're not a legal scholar. Maybe you are. I'm not. But you can read it. And these actual really smart legal scholars who are so amazing that they got elected to the highest court in the land, the Supreme Court, 
gave their opinion. And you can read that legal and binding opinion in this case. And hey, don't take my word for it. Go and read their thing. It's really, really good. Anyway, for some reason, they decided to invite a Berkeley law professor to the Senate to talk about Roe v. Wade. Now, uh, it's it's long and I'm not, not going to su- subject you to the whole thing, but there are some interesting points that happen in this conversation and, and, and we you should hear some of this. So she, this UC uh, Berkeley law professor, I've got her name here. Hang on, I'll get it for you. The professor's name is Kiara Bridges. She's a University of California at Berkeley law professor. So this is a person who is teaching young lawyers or young lawyers to be how to be lawyers. This person is instructing on law, instructing on legal precedent, instructing on how to interact in a courtroom with other lawyers and judges and court cases. That's what this person's job is. So many times during this um, during this Senate hearing, she talks she talks about pregnant persons. So one senator, Senator Holly, says. I hear you saying pregnant persons a bunch of times. What exactly do you mean by that? Here's how that went. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thanks to all of the witnesses for being here. Uh, Before, uh, I want to visit with you, Ms. Metzke, but before I do, I just want to clear one thing up. Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? Many women, cis women, have the capacity for pregnancy. Many cis women do not have the capacity for pregnancy. Um, there are also trans men who are capable of pregnancy, as well as non-binary people who are capable of pregnancy. So this isn't really a women's rights issue. It's a, it's, we can it's recognize a that this impacts women while also recognizing that it impacts other groups. Those things are not mutually exclusive, Senator Hawley. Oh, so your view is, is that the core of this, this right then is about what? So um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide. So I think it's important because of my line of questioning. Because we can't talk about it because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist. I'm denying that trans people exist by asking you you if you're talking about women having pregnancies. Do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant? No, I don't think (laughs) so. You are denying that trans people exist, and that leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you, or are they also treated like this? No, no, no. They're told that they're opening up people to violence. We have a good time in my class. You should join. I bet you might learn a lot. Wow, I I would learn a lot. I've learned a lot just in this exchange. Absolutely extraordinary. I I don't even I don't even know what to say. Yeah. So. There's so much. There's so much here. Let's 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 go to a higher view because there's a, there's a lot happening in that conversation. Um, f- first, just biology, and and uh, I mean the senator says, can you, you know? Are we talking about women's rights? Are we talking about women who get pregnant? And obviously, this law professor believes that more than just women can get pregnant, and trans men can get pregnant, so men can get pregnant. That's the that's the equilateral there. Like you 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 have a woman who identifies as a man who then is a man biologically, physically, uh, I guess, right? So this is a new spiritual reality, and then 
that man gets pregnant, and so men can get pregnant. I mean, that's that's I guess the math here, right? Um, but then but then there's there's more going on, and, and the more going on that we have to like back up into because this is a theological issue because it's about values and it's about morality and and does does this really exist? Like, is there really a thing that exists where a man can get pregnant? And the obvious biological, spiritual, rational, real answer is no, a man can't get pregnant because a man doesn't have reproductive organs to get pregnant. But then when you can literally trans, you can move your spiritual reality from biology and move it into something that creates new uh, you become like God because you've created something out of nothing, and now you can define reality however you want. I mean, that, that's the theological, like, that's really where we get in all of this. And and they start arguing on this 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 idea of, like, <laughs> what what is a woman? And that, that's the question that we've been asking uh, for a while. And it, you know, but but the the bigger thing that I that I want to come to is, like, this professor is teaching the youth, you know, they're not children, they're probably 18 plus, you know, 18 to 20, somewhere in there. But he, I don't know if you heard it, but he he makes a really good point. He's like, is this how you run your classroom? The senator asks this professor, and she says, oh yeah, you can totally question, you can totally ask questions, and we have a great time in our classroom. But if you listen to this exchange, and I've, I went through several years of schooling uh, and had professors like this, there really is no room for questioning in this. The questioning you can have is, yes, I totally agree with what you're saying, which to some might not sound like a question or might not sound like a challenge because basically the only response is, yes, I totally agree with everything that you're saying. You're not allowed to disagree or challenge. And again, I've had many professors like this, so I know this experience in a classroom. And in this setting, the senator and the professor are at least on equal footing, if not the senators on a little bit higher footing because they're in the Senate, right? Um, but if this were a student in a classroom and your teacher says, your professor says, hey, this is what's true, and you say, but I'm not sure that is true. No, it is. And then it's period, full stop, because they're the professor. And if you want to get a good grade, if you want to pass the class, if you want to get the degree, whatever you're searching for, the only answer is to agree with whatever they're saying. I'm going to go back. This is just a little bit of a tangent. I'm going to try and do this in like a minute or a minute and a half. I'm going to go back a couple thousand, uh, you know, multiple thousand years. I know. Just just stay with me for a second. It's, it's going to be worth it. This guy named Socrates. And Socrates got famous and, in fact, killed. But he got famous by asking questions. And he asked questions, really questioning authority and saying, hey, are we allowed to get to the bottom of something by discovering what the reality really is through questions. And that led to this Socratic method that some people use today. What's clear to me and and actually really concerning to me in this professor's demeanor in apparently how this professor runs her classroom and how I've seen classrooms and professors and teachers across America, really at almost every grade level at this point, is not the Socratic method. It is the you believe whatever I tell you because I'm right method, <laughs> which is a far different thing. And the side that continues to say we're fascists and dictators and saying that you're just telling me everything that you should do, like when you're a religious zealot or something like that and you're only allowed to follow religion, uh, that's how this seems to operate to me. <laughs> this is a religious expression of you will believe some in the religious circles would call that dogma because dogma is 
this is what it is, and you just believe it. Um, that seems more to the line of what's going on rather than saying, hey, can we have a conversation about this and refer to another, uh, maybe even an outside example of, you know, biology or written words or a tradition or something like that. Like, is there another authority? And the reality in these situations is, no, there's not another authority. I am the authority and you will agree with me or else you're out. And that's just what we see. That's why I think this is an interesting clip, not just because of the content of it, but the way that the the dialogue, the argument progresses. And even in this, there is a moment where I believe Senator Hawley says, so we can't have a conversation about this. He says something to the effect of that. And and that is a really big point. And I wanna I want us to 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 really understand what's going on here. One side is saying, I would love to have a conversation about this and get to the bottom of it through questions and listening and talking and, and reasoning and what some would call dialogue. And the other side is saying, no, I'm right. We can't talk about it. And just in case you're missing the point, the conservative side, while grounded in tradition and values and history, really does want to have a conversation about how to get to the bottom of this. Um, The other side is saying, no, we cannot have a conversation, which is why we get to this violence. And when she says, your words are causing violence, to the senator, when the professor says to the senator, your words are causing violence, the violence she even intimates in this is suicide. But suicide, I thought, is self-inflicted, isn't it? I mean, so how is someone's words inflicting self-harm on someone else? Like, that is, that, even that doesn't even make sense. Like, if I choose to harm myself, it's terrible but you can't blame someone else for that. That's the choice I've made. But now you cannot take responsibility for anything. You cannot take responsibility for any of your choices, regardless of where your choices lead you in that place. So if you say something that's true to me and I don't like it and I harm myself, you've done me violence, even though you've given truth. And this is the the box that, that we've been really boxed into, where if we say true things, that is violence. But actual violence, like burning down a pregnancy center, is not violence. That's just activism. That's a, that's a good, because as we heard from the senator earlier today, those pregnancy centers are torture chambers for poor pregnant persons who don't want to have babies. This is the crazy like mental gymnastics that we get ourselves into when we go down this weird path uh, that all comes from no sense of reality, no sense of actual truth. Um, and, and that's why I think this is an important thing. I, I kind of went a little bit more philosophical on that, but of course, that's where my brain goes. I want to show you one more because this professor is asked about a baby and... I think this is a really good point when we talk about lives and 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 where life begins and if life even has value. Because I, I think that the, the value of life is really at the core of this whole conversation. Does a person have value? And I would say every human has value. God would say every person has value. So I get I get my views and beliefs from God, from the word that we read. Um, there's Psalms about that. Even if you go way back to the beginning in Genesis, God created male and female. He created them and they were good. They have value just because of who they are, because man and woman are created in the image of God. They have value inherently, period. That's it. That's really all you have to say. I don't believe the left thinks this. In fact, I know the left doesn't think they have value. And here's another example of how they show that value is not inherent because of who a person is. 
value is based on place, position, location, or whatever other arbitrary line they want to draw on whether or not a person has value. So this is the professor, to me, answering a question about the value of a baby. And do you think a, do you think a, a baby that is delivered alive has value? Yes. Do you think that a, um, a, a baby that is not yet born has value? I believe that a person with a capacity for pregnancy has value. They have intelligence. They have agency. They no, have I'm dignity. talking about the baby. And I'm talking about the person with a capacity for and pregnancy. And you're not answering the question. I'm asking. I'm, you I'm, think answer, that a, I'm answering you, a more interesting you think question that, to you me. You think that the baby that is not yet born, let's say. So you get the idea. This professor's answer about the value of the baby. And, and, and let me even back up. I think it is telling completely that when this senator, uh, I wrote down, this is Senator uh, John Corrin, a uh, Republican from Texas. He asks, does a, baby, uh, does a baby have value? Did you hear how long, like, you could have taken a nap and gone to get a sandwich in the pause in between when he asked the question and when she answered the question? Why? Why does it take so long to answer that question? Does a baby have value? Like, if anybody asked me on any random day, no matter what I'm doing, it would take me all of one microsecond to go, does a baby have value? Yeah, obviously. Like, it's not a question. In, in what universe is a question? If you hand me a tiny little baby, and I'm holding a tiny little baby, of which I have many uh, times in my life, and I've had four uh, myself, or my wife has, obviously, um, th there's no question. Of, of course that baby has value. Like, who, how, how, you literally are a sociopath, a psychopath, if you think the little baby that you're holding doesn't have value. Why does it take like 20 minutes for this lady to answer? Does a baby have value? Uh, well, uh, it's because she sees the box that she has put herself in. And she knows the next question is going to be the question that he asks. Well, then, the minute before the baby is born. And again, if you are a mother, if you are a father, if you have been anybody around any woman who has had a baby in her stomach and seen the kicking felt uh, the kicking, seen how uncomfortable women are when they're just about to give birth uh, because the baby is constantly doing gymnastics in there. Like if you have been around or experienced any of this, you know that baby is alive and and ready to enter the world and start screaming. I mean, we all know this. It's, it's not a secret. It's not a surprise. You don't even have to be a quote unquote biologist to know this. You know that baby is real. So this poor professor has boxed herself into this place where she knows biology, she knows reality, she cannot escape either of these things. And so the question is asked, does a baby have value? Again, unless you want to appear like a psychopath, a sociopath who just hates humanity, which I'm just, I'm not even going to go there. Uh, you have to say, yes, of course, a little baby that you hold in your arms is super cute and, and coos and cries and whatever value. Like, of course, of course they do. But one minute earlier, when that baby is in the womb, this lady has to say no. And so she can't answer that question. And that's really the thing that we get to here. This professor cannot answer the question, does a baby have value one minute before they're born? And she can't answer that because, of course, you can't answer that because you're a psychopath. If you say no, a baby who you see kicking and moving and it makes the mom really uncomfortable because she's like, get this baby out of here and like, it, like everybody knows it's a baby and everybody can tell. And of course, that's a baby. And to kill that baby at that moment would be the most disgusting thing you can possibly imagine.
And everybody knows this. Everybody knows this. And yet she can't answer that question. So she has to deflect and say a person who is about to give birth or a person who has the capacity for birth has value. And the senator's like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's not the question because I know, and that's the difference between the two sides, right? I know, I'll talk about me. I know that every human has value. No doubt, no question. Now, what we do with that and how we make choices, that's gonna impact how we live and, and our relationships, sure. But you have value in who you are. You have value inherently in who you are in Christ. Um, Everybody knows that. The senator knows that. Everybody in the room knew that. Like, no question at all. <clears throat> this lady cannot talk about the baby, so she has to talk about the pregnant person, uh, the person with the capacity to give birth, even <laughs> even more euphemistic than just a pregnant person, the person with the capacity to give birth, as she mentioned in the previous clip, binary, non-binary people and trans people and blah, 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 whatever. Um, so she has to deflect to that, and she says, like, did you catch this? Here's, here's where I'm going. I'm answering a more interesting question. And see, that's the thing, right? They don't care about babies. They don't care about value of human life. They don't care about any of this. They care about oppression. And if a baby is in a mother's womb, in a, in a, in a woman's womb, that is inherently oppressive. So you have to understand this. You have to understand that critical race theory came through the legal theories. It came from critical theory. I'm not going to get into all the legal theory of that, but this person is a law professor clearly ensconced in the whole idea of critical theory, critical legal studies, critical race theory. Um, there's a bunch more. I'm not, I'm not even going to get into all the theories today, so you're welcome. More sorry. But a baby in the womb is inherently oppressive. And you may not think about this. If, if you don't, and you're, you're probably a better person for it, but you have to understand the dynamic of what's going on here because women's rights, feminism, has to push towards a woman being equal to a man and therefore being able to do everything that a man can do and therefore the ability to not be pregnant. That is the inherent right that a feminist needs to be able to exist in this world. Because the ability to not be pregnant gives them all of the rights that a man has, and that is the goal. The goal is not to be separate but equal. The goal is not to be uh, complementary, uh, as Genesis says, man is made or woman is made for man, and and they complement each other. They they're fruitful and they multiply. Like no, no, none of that. Right. The, the feminist goal is for women to replace man, take the place of man and the baby is inherently oppressive because the baby gets in the way of that you have to understand this is this is the mind that's coming and saying we can't talk about a baby having value a baby is not a person even if it's not a clump of cells even if it's a preborn whatever they want to call it, it it's not a person it doesn't have value and and that that's why this line of questioning is so good and so interesting because it's important to understand this is all about oppression and it's all about the oppression of a baby in a mom's tummy in a mom's womb and they have to get rid of that they have to erase that from existence so that the woman can have every opportunity that a man can have they don't want to stay at home and be a mom because that is demeaning to them which is so sad it's, it really, it's I'm literally sad by that it's heartbreaking that Women have this superpower, and I mean this literally, I'm not being sarcastic, a superpower to literally create life. God has given a woman the ability to create life. I have chills talking about this because it's so incredible that God has given the woman the ability to create life, but this culture is telling women that that is not a superpower. It's They devalue it and they remove this amazing gift that God has given to women to be the giver of life 
and then the nurturer of these little human lives to literally grow humanity and society. And this culture demeans that. They want everybody to be sterile. They want to remove that ability. And it is just heartbreaking that people have bought into this lie that is just so destructive, not just to the baby, but to whole society. Like, if we don't have babies, we don't have a society. We have no future. Like, it's, it's just that simple. And it's so sad to me that people buy into this lie and we, we can't. We have, to, we have to fight for the babies, but we have to say, hey, like, let's talk about this. And then, of course, we get to this line where she says, no, we can't have a conversation about this. He says, so we can't have a conversation about this? No, we obviously can't have a conversation about this because your, I'm going to say, dogma is so strong. (laughs) This was the the thing that was levied against Amy Coney Barrett. The dogma is strong in her, so she can't be a Supreme Court justice. But this professor's dogma is so strong, she cannot listen, she cannot hear, she cannot talk, we cannot have a conversation about, does a baby have value? Can you even say a baby has value? And her answer, if she was honest, would be no. And that really makes me sad. Um, so I want to. I, we're running a little bit long, but I want to talk about one more story because I think this is an important story for us to understand. And it does give context and what I would say is foundation to this whole thing. There was a recent study by Gallup and this Gallup study just said that now there are fewer people who see the Bible as the literal word of God. And this is just, uh, it's not surprising. It's something that I've known for a long time. I've talked to a lot of pastors and uh, seminary professors and, and other Christian leaders about this because it's really important. It's really important to to grab your Bible, and I would say every day, and open it and read it. Because uh, according to this Gallup poll, a record low of 20% of Americans now say the Bible is the literal word of God, down from 24%. And the last time the question was asked in 2017. And in 1980 and 1984, that's half of what people used to think. The Bible is actually the literal word of God. Um, About 29% of people say the Bible is just a collection of fables and legends and history. In other words, mythology. I've got a lot of mythology on my shelf, and the Bible, according to C.S. Lewis even, is mythology. However, it's also true. And okay, if you want to call it mythology and legends, yeah, but it's also true, and it's the literal word of God. <laughs> Those, and and this is it's this is the problem. I mean, we people don't believe the Bible is real. They don't believe the Bible is true. They don't want to read the Bible. They don't care about the Bible. They may think they know what's in the Bible, but they never actually read it. Um, and, and this is this is a really sad thing. I'm not going to give you more of that survey. Uh, you can go and read it on Gallup's website if you want to. But I think it's important for us, for you and me and for your families and for your kids. I really want you to focus on reading the Bible because that's the only way. You don't have to believe me. You don't have to follow me. Uh, um, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. You can think about that if you want. I, I don't care. I don't care. It's not about me. This is about Jesus and you following Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus because you need that because otherwise you end up like this poor professor who literally doesn't know what a woman is or what a baby is or what a mom is uh, and you can't answer these basic questions, not just biologically, but spiritually. Spiritually, what is a human? Does a human have any value? And we went through the other day, according to these other uh, ideas, ideologies, philosophies, like if you don't believe in the Bible, if you don't believe in creation, if you don't believe in God, then where are you drawing your morality? Where are you drawing your meaning? Because there just isn't a lot of other options out there. I gave you some of them. You can go back and listen to that at churchpublic.com if you want to. Uh, I go through that near the end of the last episode, but it's important to understand 
where you get your truth because there is truth and truth will win out in the end. So I'm not discouraged and I'm not worried, uh, but we do need to understand that as we say more true things, we will receive more pushback like this senator uh, got from this professor. And I will say too, this is an, just an interesting side point on this whole story. As I was looking at this, because I want to hear what different sides say, almost every news article, except for the really conservative sites, uh, almost every news article about this said how the professor schooled the senator on this, how the professor just tore up the senator in describing how trans people have rights and exist and, and, and can get pregnant and have babies. And, and you may think that after watching this clip. I don't think that's how it went. I, I don't think the own went that direction. It seemed to me that truth and biology won out in this conversation, and he seemed to uh, keep his head and, and be rational. If you didn't watch it, and, and this is something that I'm just going to say, the people, even, even go back to the Warren clip, their eyes are crazy eyes. They have like crazy eyes. Why do all these people have crazy eyes? And I have my thoughts about it, but but just look at it. Just watch their eyes. Like, is there something going on there? And I think there is, but but that's just that's just a side point. So what I want to give you as the verse of the day today is a verse from Timothy. Paul writes this letter to Timothy, and he writes this letter to Timothy to help Timothy be a leader, a man, a pastor, and pastor churches. And, and it's a great example for us as well, so that we can understand what is real and what is truth and what we're supposed to do in this wild and crazy world. And as we say here at Church Public, how do you live in the public square? How do you go out in the public square and bring your faith with you? So we're looking at 2 Timothy 3 today. I'm going to read you 2 Timothy 3.16. That's what's on the screen if you're watching. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I do want to give you just a little bit more context here because I think this is important and goes to what we've been talking about today. If you just back up a little bit into verse 12, it says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. That's what we're talking about. And that's where I think it's interesting that Senator Hawley, while asking questions that seem to be obvious and biological and even theological, gets roasted on the internet because you're persecuted if you say the true things. Verse 13, while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. I mean, she can't answer a question, so that's kind of lying. I don't know. What are you, you, you draw your own conclusions on that. Verse 14, as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So that's what we are talking about here. This whole thing is talking about what is right, what is wrong, what has value, and what is like evil. What's, what, is, what is not true? And how do we know what is not true? And this whole thing gives us a lot of, if, if you're just listening, I'm holding up the Bible. This whole Bible, these whole scriptures, give you the... Uh, the internal constitution through the power of the Spirit to understand what's true and what's not true. And that's where Paul says these scriptures are important. They're able to make you wise. And all of these scriptures are God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. This is the important thing. And then he finally says in verse 17 at the end, so that you may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
So I hope that for you. I pray that for you. I hope that you do dive into these scriptures. They're super important and they will help you as you follow after God. They will help you follow after God. They will help you go out of your front door and live in this crazy world and be like Christ, not like the world which is going to be more and more difficult, and it's going to require more and more. It's going to have a cost as you continue through this this crazy life, this crazy culture that is turning on reality, turning on truth, and especially turning on God. I appreciate you listening today, and for Church Public, as always, I'm Matt Odegaard, and keep the faith. Thanks for tuning into Church Public. I really appreciate you being here today. If you haven't already, you can like and subscribe. If this helped you, just send it out to one of your friends. Hit that little share button on the app on your iTunes or Apple Music and your Google and your Spotify. Just hit that and send it to somebody, anybody, even a random person. Just pick a random person on your contact list and just send it to them. No, I mean, if this is helpful. If not, then just take your phone and throw it out your window because you don't need it anyway. Anyway, God bless. We'll see you next time.